Let us come before God in prayer. Lord Christ, your light shines on all people, as in you all things are gathered up by the power of your Holy Spirit. Help us as we listen to know your love that surpasses all knowledge. that we might be filled with all the fullness of God. Root us and ground us in your love this day. You are our hope. Shine in our hearts, Lord Jesus. Amen. This week, I had a chance to go check out a sandwich shop that I was uh, wanting to visit downtown. It's called The Seed. It's a funky cafe serving vegetarian and vegan food, and actually, it was pretty good. What I hadn't realized is that The Seed is also a worker-owned collective. It serves local and fair trade food as much as possible. On their blackboard where others might have lists of sandwiches and lattes, is scrawled in all caps, this is a radically inclusive safe space. And listed under what you won't find here are aspartame, frozen products, and discrimination, just ahead of high fructose corn syrup. On the wall beside the fridge of juices and root beer hangs a poster that visually depicts its title, Capitalism is a Pyramid Scheme. And I don't know if you've seen this art before, but the very distinctive and elaborate black and white graphics of the beehive collectives are hanging in different places in this cafe. They use ants and other insects to, among other things, to describe the struggle of Colombian people for um, in resisting the domination and resource extraction from their global neighbor to the north. And from the counter, the staff greet a man who is socially awkward and apparently fairly kind-hearted. He's obviously a regular. They're greeting him by name. I sat there eating my wrap thinking, wouldn't it be nice if the church was like this? Well, congratulations. Because although you have not committed in your baptism to forego corn syrup, you have signed up to be built with all sorts of people you would never choose into one giant household that shares burdens and expenses and by the Spirit becomes a dwelling place for God. It's ironic that in the beginning it was the Jews making allowances and letting go of parts of the law to make room for us Gentiles because the Spirit was moving. And over the centuries, we have made them the outsiders. But that's another sermon. Just as Mary opened herself to become a divine dwelling place, 
we together with the whole church and eventually all of humanity, according to God's dream, also become that dwelling. And as if that weren't crazy enough, it is through the church that the wisdom of God in its rich variety is made known to the powers. The structural evil that is slippery, hard to pin down, the oppression that is bigger than any one personality or any one ego in leadership, the dominating powers that we have trouble putting our finger on. So through you, through us, God's many-sided wisdom will be delivered to these powers. And how is that witness made crystal clear? Because Christ has broken down the wall between people. Because Christ is peace itself and has come proclaiming peace to the far off and peace to the near. To the reluctant wanderers and to those who think the ancient promises belong to them. The powers are put on alert that something different is happening, that something more powerful is on the scene because people who normally want nothing to do with each other become housemates and are splitting the grocery bill. The mystery that is revealed in Christ's appearing and illustrated by the Magi's visit is that God intends everyone to fully share in the promise. God's promise that all people are to be God's people. And this is good news, even though the idea isn't so new as we look back through the First Testament. But it is good news that everyone is to be gathered into one people in the peaceable kingdom of God. And it sounds great until we bump up against the actual human beings that God intends us to live with until we meet the new roommate that we're to be reconciled to in this great household of God in Christ. So it's not long before we recognize our dependence on the one who builds out of strangers and enemies a home. I don't know about you, but I quickly find that only divine intervention can and does, in fact, bring together people who are as strange to one another as Mary of Nazareth and the scholar mystics from the East knocking on her door. It takes a supernatural kind of reconciliation to establish this one ever-expanding household. It takes the foolishness of the Spirit's ways with us, which are wiser than our ways, and the weakness of God to disarm us and humble us and, yes, embolden us toward the power of love in the midst of our walls and divisions. The writer here is talking about the binding together of real, live, former enemies. You have people who were explicitly forbidden in the law to enter fully into temple worship and people whose birthright was to offer worship there. These are real people with deeply different cultural and social and political understandings of what is right and good who are being built into this single household, this common dwelling place for God. 
Well, God is far more generous and hospitable than I am. Because I can get excited about the fact that, for example, I am among you as an unlikely housemate, a foreigner from New Jersey, making my home in this Mennonite heartland. And I can get excited about, even here, our having Italian-Americans and Catholics and every stripe of former Protestant gathered in this historic Mennonite congregation. And that we are open to pushing and being pushed by crossing boundaries, especially when it comes to different economic ability, different levels of education. I'm so energized by imagining broader and deeper connections with our neighbors right here on these streets, connections that began with the Monday night meal and are in some ways sustained by those ongoing meals. And how might our congregation look as we continue to build these relationships and listen to our neighbors in this particular corner of Lancaster City? How will the refugees that we will soon welcome to this city change and affect our community of faith? What gifts will these new strangers bring? God's house keeps expanding. And to our amazement and often discomfort, God is always adding more rooms, a loft, a new kitchen. This is exciting, and these things are beautiful. And yet there is always more. God continues to draw us to the edges, to our own edges, and to people on the edge. And that includes people on the street who have nothing to lose and sisters and brothers within the church who favor the strong at the expense of the weak. This is what I mean, and this is when it's most clear to me that God is far more generous than I am. When I think of Christians, not only other Christians with whom I disagree, but members of God's huge family who I'd rather disown than sit down to a meal together. It turns out there are quite a few of them. And sometimes I'm just counting on God's house being big enough for me to just hang out downstairs while all those crazy people can be up in the bedroom and like by the gable or in the rafters or somewhere far away. Just So really, as I struggle with the challenge and the radical nature of this text, I've been remembering how tempting it is to discredit and deny any kinship with the people, and maybe especially with other Christians from whom we feel most alienated and would prefer we're not living under the same divine roof with us. Now, I imagine you might expect it's easy for me to come to this passage and think of my lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender brothers, siblings in Christ. And with them in mind, I can gladly celebrate God's breaking down of walls, Christ's putting hostility to death. And I can clearly see that Israel's own experience of dislocation and estrangement and exile is always what motivates its high obligations to outsiders. 
And here we see Christ takes the extra step and becomes the outsider. To be in full solidarity with those for whom God's heart is most tender. So it's easy for me to see in this text solid ground for anyone identifying in any way as queer or gender non-conforming to fully participate in the life of the body in every way. In this household which is created to express the multivaried wisdom of God, we are never prepared for how we will be changed. We're never ready for the bounty of gifts that come with the awkward and often painful expanding of this divine dwelling place. So it's clear to me that the church has repenting to do in word and deed toward those in God's family who have lived with dislocation and estrangement and even exile because of who they're attracted to or what their bodies are. But it's less clear to me how Christ will continue to break down the dividing walls and heal the divisions and fractures in his body. And what my part and what our part in that is to be. No matter how inclusive I think I am, there are those I would rather do without. But I know and I have experienced that the church is most alive when we are a very motley assortment of humanity. And when it is clear that we are only together because of Jesus, when in Christ the mystery of God's promise of wholesale reconciliation is made clear because we are in relationship when all indications point to our being completely estranged. And our gospel witness to the powers, to the rulers and authorities, must always include the favoring the most vulnerable, if it is to be good news for all of us. This doesn't mean that those we see misusing power in the church or elsewhere will, be, will not be enfolded ultimately in God's great mercy and transformation. But those who use power to keep some people silent or invisible, whether it's those who don't have a home or those who have a minority sexuality, are missing the upside down and unlimited power of the incarnation. We wonder how such different people can live under one roof, It's only by God's coming in the flesh and struggling with our deep-rooted inclinations towards separation and alienation from each other, resisting this to the point of shedding his blood. And long before it ever comes to that, confounding us by coming in absolute neediness, coming God, coming into the world, Small and naked, saying, clothe me, feed me, make room for me, take me in, don't turn away. And it is only in community, confident that we share in the boundless riches of Christ, that we are able not to turn away. 
because facing Christ as he comes in weakness, worshipped by foreigners with strange gifts, we come closer to the weak and unfamiliar places in ourselves. And like Israel, we remember the house of slavery and we feel our need for release. And it's then we can remind each other that Christ is with us in our need when we find ourselves to be outsiders. We have all felt the pain of separation. We all need reconciling. And those of us with more privilege or more access need all the more to find the power that is illuminated in our weakness. For that is our surest path to our part in showing the multi-sided wisdom of God. This plentiful power grounded in love is the way God chooses to show up among us. The unexpected wisdom through which all divisions will be healed. How we long for that. But we are not the ones building the house. We do not oversee the additions and expansions. Our work is to continue following Christ to the edges, to our own margins, with the curiosity of children and with childlike openness to see his face in those within and outside the house, trusting that in Christ all will be gathered in, trusting that in the Spirit we together are being reborn as a people in whom God dwells.